Hi, this is Bob, and today I have an interview with Red Kane. Red Kane hails from Canada, and this progressive group metal has released their third album, one that you'll return to again and again. This band is growing by leaps and bounds. And here is my interview with Red Kane. How you doing? Hey, Bob, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Uh, glad to have you. I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me today. Absolutely. My pleasure. How did the recording process go for you? Uh, so, if we're speaking about this album strictly, uh, this was an interesting experience for us because in the past we have done a ton of planning um, for every single one of our albums. Whereas in this one, uh, we originally started with a three-song EP as an idea, and everything else grew organically out of that. So we were putting things um, on the plate for the album um, very spontaneously to an extent. Some of the songs were written um, in a span of less than a month. Um, like the Great Hunt was one of those. And um, just in general for us, this was a much more kind of raw and... Um, a process that you would expect from um, like an old school band to follow. Mm. Um, and it was very fun, honestly. Like we, we had, we got together um, basically in a studio and just jammed and everything that came out of there, we were able to, uh, to track down or record. And then of course there's extra layers that you put on there when you start mixing and mastering the tracks. But um, just in general, compared to the previous work, this was significantly more organic. I wanted to ask you, uh, my speaking of the Great Hunt, um, that's one of my two favorite tracks: the Great Hunt and the Fisher King. Fantastic! And I wanted, and I wanted to know um, if you could speak on those, and uh, also as far as the Fisher King, how was the recording for the video? Uh, yeah, I can start with that for sure. Um, so Fisher King is actually from its inception um about 10 years had passed until release it was one of the oldest um ideas that that i'd had and um i had the skeleton for the song written before red cane was even formed um it was kind of my first attempt at bringing music from the wheel of time series and and doing an homage sort of thing of um to the to the concept behind those um because from a literary perspective the wheel of time series was uh not only one of the first english series that i had read when i first came to canada I was learning the language but also probably the one that had the most significant impact on my creative um kind of stream and inspiration so uh fisher king was born out of that um i held on to it for a long time because there was no it wasn't a good fit for, for the other albums and conceptually it didn't really belong in Red Cane up until now. But um, given that we were going to do the CP that later evolved into the album based around the Wheel of Time, Fisher King was a natural fit. And so we we upgraded it quite a bit. Um, we modernized the song. Uh, the arrangements stayed a lot of, uh, very similar. Um, the vocals I rewrote uh, to basically match the style better, but we wanted to have a very... Um, gritty but also epic and bombastic anthem uh that would cover the breadth 
and introduce the the listeners to the concept and the feel of the album. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty long track, especially for an intro track. Um, yeah. But I think it it captures everything we wanted to capture with that. Um, it's really fun to to write and perform too. With a music video, um, again, we had uh, two new members join the lineup um, even even after the video actually was filmed. But uh, the key one was Sam Rideout, who was a new guitarist, and he joined right before we filmed the video. Um, and it was important to us to get uh, kind of a feel of what the live performance would look like and get that out to fans. So for that video, um, it was essentially completely targeted to be a live video with some of the imagery and visuals that we we're going to bring later on. Um, it had kind of like that retro futuristic neon stuff in the back. And, and really, we just wanted to show the energy of the track. Um, and I think we did. And I think it was a really fun experience for, for the band to bring everybody together and, and kind of reenact the, the stuff that we've been writing for the, the last while, for that song, at least. Um, so that's Fisher King. Anything else, anything specific you want to know about that track, aside from what I mentioned? Uh, no, that is perfect. And I also wanted to ask about The Great Hunt. That's my second favorite track on the album. Right, and I appreciate that. That's a really cool one. Um, that's, like I mentioned before, one of the, the last tracks we wrote. And it was originally not part of the album, um, or not, not planned to be part of the album, but we felt that we were really missing um, a track that would really have a punchiness to it and would, like a mosh pit track, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing that Sam had always wanted to do was use eight string guitar. And so I basically said, do it, fire away. So he, he ended up buying an eight string um, Ibanez and then he uh, wrote uh, the eight string riff for that track and then we built everything else around it. And um, in terms of the arrangement, I think that's, that song has one of the simpler arrangements on the album, but um, everything in it is bunchy. Like every single part just hits hard and uh, um, we wanted it to be kind of a, like a march almost at the, the build up to a lot of the things that happen in the album, um, like a call to war. Um, that's why we did it in three quarter time. Um, and uh, it had like that nice instrumental intro that suddenly breaks up and then everything just hits you all at once. Um, so like all in all, it was a really fun song to write because we, we kind of, we left all the extras out of it. And then we just went straight for the impact. Um, there's some killer gent stuff, obviously. It's in the middle there that, that also Sam brought to the table. Um, and honestly, it was one of the heaviest songs that we had written. And uh, playing it live was also super fun. So I expect it to be a staple of our live shows for a long time. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, uh, when I first heard the track, I could not get it out of my head. Nice. It was That's running through my head the entire day. Yeah, excellent. That's the point. Honestly, when I when I write songs and I really want to hit the, the expectation, the ideal expectation is that happens. Because I know that when I love a song, it really gets stuck in my head for a long, long time subconsciously. And that's how, you know, it becomes like a part of my identity almost as a um, as a musician or as a listener. So to hear that that's doing that for you is is pretty, pretty sweet. And as far as the video for We Are Chaos, I wanted to ask if you could speak on that one as well. 
Yeah, uh, so when we had planned the album originally and we finally settled on the length of it and the concept and everything related to that, um, we wanted to do at least two videos. One was the performance video, um, which showcases kind of a, a look at what the live lineup and performance looks like. And the other one was more in line with um, what we tended to do in the past with concept-based videos um, that are almost like many like short films. Um, with We Are Chaos, that was the track on the album that really brought all the different characters together that are part of the concept for us, um, the four main kind of protagonists of the album. Um, and so the entire track is written as uh, a dialogue between them. Um, and so I envisioned it originally as them um, essentially getting together before the final push or the final... Uh, battle to reach their objectives uh, within the album concept um, and planning, um, you know, pumping themselves up and basically we're getting ready to go to war. Um, the video is a reflection of that. So it was, it was uh, really entertaining to think about it visually. Uh, we spent a lot of time figuring out the costumes for everybody in the video and the backdrop um, and all the additional content, like the, the poster in the back wall that mm. featured the single artwork from Fisher King to tie it back to that and basically spoke directly about who is the antagonist for, for these, these people there. Um, and even in the video, obviously, my character speaks to the poster directly almost to, to showcase what's going on. And uh, we wanted to give it a very um, gothic feel. Um, because obviously the subject matter lends itself to that, but also um, in my musical background, goth rock features prominently. Uh, and I always like to bring in those elements throughout um, our videos. And this one was no exception. So we like lit up this room in a very kind of like somber lighting and we put curtains. And I mean, if you watch the video, I think you'll see a lot of those elements. Yes. The one thing that we... Um, wanted also to highlight is the like retro futuristic almost cyberpunk feel of of that that is this wasn't set in like the gothic past this is like a almost a gothic future um and you could tell some of that there's the neon lighting you know there's the helmet that taylor's character wore there's various modern things in there and i think that was also a very interesting element to try to include um and then, of course, that was the first video that we had Kaylee feature on and have a prominent role with. And uh, it was also very cool to finally get her up front and get her to, to do the vocals and show the visuals and, and introduce all our fans to, to all the new members. So, yeah, it was a killer experience. Um, I want to give a shout out to, to uh, Zach Kelly for filming the video for us, a good friend. Um, always a pleasure to work with. And... Honestly, it was like very, very on the ball. We filmed it very quickly. It was one day shoot and uh, everything fell into place. And speaking of visual, can you speak on the album artwork and the artist that was involved? So uh, the artwork, we have a, um, always placed quite a bit of importance on artwork um, for us. So generally, the artwork tends to reflect the musical style and musical direction of the album. Um, all of the artworks, at least in their inception so far, except our EP artwork, uh, were basically drawn up by me. So um, how we've usually done it is I 
um, sketch out the composition itself and all the, the elements. And then um, we pass it off to somebody who um, finishes the piece. And so it becomes kind of a collaborative element. But the idea itself is usually designed by me. Um, and I think it's important for us to do that because we view the visuals as a natural extension of the album. So um, I think I, it personally is more meaningful to me to have the design done by myself or, or you know, somebody in the band to reflect that. Um, and this one was no different. It was also a design that was originally sketched out by me. And the, the difference between the previous ones um, is that we specifically focused on a more stripped down abstract style in this one. Um, and that was more reliant on color and fewer things in the composition. If you look at a previous artwork for the, the two Kindred albums, for example, it's very um, complex, stylized. It has a lot of different elements that you can take a closer look at and, and be like, oh, this is where this came from. This is the inspiration. This is, you know, the particular Slavic piece of Slavic mythology or otherwise that you can identify there. With this one, it was meant to be just a like an abstract boom image that would catch your attention and then um, lead you into the songs. And I think that tied in nicely to what we were trying to say with this album, which is that um, we're shifting gears from that complexity in the previous works to something that is very focused and um, targeted almost uh, in a much more stripped down, um, aggressive, obvious, abstract manner almost. So with that, I think the album cover accomplished um, at least the introduction to that it also ties into the album art that we use for the different tracks. Same kind of deal. Uh, we're looking at retrofuturism quite a bit. So the intent there was to get, um, and I spoke about this in the past too with our previous albums, that we love the, the clash between the ancient and the modern. And so uh, with a lot of the, the concepts and visuals, and it's, it's really an, iteration from that so we've got the modern kind of cyberpunk neon stuff and then we've got the concepts that are um hearkening to to some of the more primeval things and in the case of the wheel of time i think it ties into to that really well because the concept is that the existence is a wheel and so it's cyclical and so the past sure. becomes the future and the future becomes the past right and so to tie those two things together and smash them into one made a lot of sense so, um, yeah, I think that's basically my answer there. And what can fans look for next from Red Cane? Will there be a tour? Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of people ask us that. We're working on it. Uh, I think for us, um, because we're in Canada, logistically, there's a more of a challenge to do a tour, uh, let's say, in Europe, for example. Um, and so we want to make sure that if we do commit to a tour, that it, it's well planned um, and that we have enough time to hit the areas we want to hit and meet the fans we want to meet. So it's still very much in the works. Um, we have a lot of things going on. We're starting to think about other releases. Um, there's been some talk about uh, 
kind of a compilation album based on the highlights from previous records. Um, and there's just basically for us, the, releasing this album, releasing Nadeless, is a is our return from uh, or into, I guess, the post-COVID era. Um, everything was kind of muted and, and drawn back during that time, which is normal. But um, there's a series of steps that we want to take to to really get uh, get back in touch with fans, um, see them in person, and reestablish ourselves in in the sphere that we're working in. I wanted to ask you as well if you could give me a um, the how the band came together one by individual and also by concept. Uh, when you say came together, in what sense? Um, how were the members? Um, how did all the members um, form mm -hmm. as a unit? And also, I wanted to know. Um, when did uh, Red Kane decide upon its conception? Okay, uh, I'll start with the second question. Um, the so my background is um, Eastern European. Uh, my family is almost exactly half Russian, half Ukrainian, and so I grew up in effectively those two countries. And my Slavic background meant that I had a lot of exposure to um, mythology, especially Slavic mythology. And then kind of the musical and spoken word uh, oral tradition passing on, um, you know, stories, myths, legends. And so to me, that was also always very important. And when I came to Canada and was kind of immersed in the, the rock and roll and heavy metal scene and decided that was the path I wanted to follow musically, um, I always wanted to keep that Slavic mythological tradition alive. Um, and so when Red Cane was formed, it was it was like a vehicle for telling some of those stories, but also doing it in a way that was, uh, you know, heavy um, mm. and that was very much like energy, uh, the energy of heavy metal and and the technicality of Prague and and all of that, which I loved. And so uh, when we formed the band first, uh, we wanted to to make sure that we do that, but also bring something unique to the table. Um, and with our first CP, we kind of did a scatter shot of the different stylistic elements we wanted to include. And it was, it, from the feedback, very interesting and very successful. And then now we're kind of exploring and taking each of those further, um, while also keeping that thread alive, um, connecting it back to, to the reasons the band was formed. Um, so I think, like, conceptually, it's difficult to say what Red Cane is going to be, um, but it is important to say that we're focusing on a few key concepts, and that is kind of the clash between the ancient and the modern, telling those stories, um, exploring that mythology and how it relates to the modern world. And then we, we do this in a way that doesn't restrict us to any one genre. So even on this album, we have, you know, prog influences, power influences. Um, we've got some traditional heavy metal almost. We've got gent. We have death metal. So I think as long as musically what we create is cohesive and it speaks to the listener, we're always going to pursue all these numbers of different directions. Um, and all the band members listen to all kinds of different stuff. So it's it's fairly natural to pull from from all those genres. And metal allows for that. So that's, that's very cool. Sure. So, yeah. So that's kind of the band background. Um, 
in terms of the members right now with the current lineup, um, so Taylor, our drummer, has been around for a long time since virtually the beginning. Um, he's always been great. He's the backbone of the band in that sense. Um, and he's been very consistent um, with the work that we've done. Um, we have uh, Sam Rideout, who joined for this album. And working with him has been very good because he is by far, I think, the most technical guitarist that we've had. And so that allowed us to really raise the level of the, uh, the guitar work that we're able to do. Um, him and I also get get along very well as, as a songwriting duo. So um, I think that really the chemistry there has has allowed us to be more effective in creating material. So um, fantastic, dude. Really love him. Um, Kaylee, uh, Kaylee Ann, who is our bassist and second guitarist, she also joined for this album uh, even a little later. Um, I've known Kaylee for some time. She was in a different uh, Calgary band as their vocalist and um, I've always wanted to work with her. So this is a really good opportunity. She's very multi-talented, uh, obviously fantastic, uh, harsh vocalist, but she has a lot of different abilities that we're hoping we can utilize. Um, and then uh, we've got uh, Andre, who is our second guitarist. And he's also a good friend of mine. He was actually on the very first Red Cane EP. So we, uh, it's almost like closing a loop with this album. We brought him back on board and he's been, uh, it was like he never left. So there's a lot of potential with that as well, because stylistically he's different from Sam. He's very um, kind of neoclassical with uh, guitarists like Malmsteen and Steve Wyatt that are his inspirations. So that gives us another weapon in the arsenal. Um, it really contributes to the fact that we want to explore all these different genres and not stay tied into an era direction. And on a personal level, I wanted to ask you, along your musical journey, what has been the best advice that you've been given along the way? It's been a lot of good advice, I think. But um, I think the two pieces of advice that I've routinely gotten, and time has proven this to be correct, is... Um, above all write for yourself um and that is basically if you're a musician you know in my opinion at least um that is your passion you're here for for that reason and i think people will respond to that so there are a lot of you sometimes see um musicians trying to kind of catch the wave of popularity or adjust their sound to uh, to mirror what's currently in vogue. Um, but it's easy to get lost in that. And I think what's more important is that you focus on doing what you love and producing good quality content within that sphere. And people will respond to that. There will always be fans who will respect what you do um, and it will resonate with them. So I've always followed that and I do tend to try to remind myself of that. And the second piece of advice is being humble. And that's hard to do because, I mean, we play heavy metal. Um, you know, everybody sees all the rock stars in history and, and now, and they want to be like that. Um, but I think on a personal level, humility is important because you are somebody who is putting your own work out there for others to judge. And you are taking their time and attention to connect with you in that way. 
And so staying humble about the fact that, that they are giving you their, their attention um, is, is an important thing to remind you of. Um, and also it's a people focused business. Um, you know, play your cards and then push the direction you want to push, but everyone's an individual and it's, it's important to remember that in that sense. And along that journey, what would you say has been the proudest moment for you so far? Yeah, it's hard to say. There's been a lot of highlights. Um, I think, honestly, this is almost a predictable answer, but uh, getting this recent album out and the response that we've had, it's probably up there. Um, for the longest time, when I formed the band, uh, I had the vision for the previous two albums already kind of shaping up, but beyond that, there wasn't really anything yet. And so I'd always thought about what would be the next step there. And um, I think with this album, this is the outcome that I was hoping for. Um, and it is only one of hopefully many other steps, but I'm really proud of what we've put out and accomplished and um, the new lineup and how the fans have responded and the kind of opportunities that we're getting. So it's been pretty cool. And when you're not working with music, do you have any hobbies that you enjoy beyond music? I'm, I'm huge into sports, sports fan. And also I play, I've played soccer for uh, semi-professionally for almost, I think over 20 years at this point. Um, I play hockey as well. And I'm a huge soccer and hockey fan. So your favorite hockey team, Washington Capitals. Pittsburgh Penguins here. Oh, Ooh. It's a good thing you didn't tell me that at the beginning of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, good. was a Cleveland Barons fan until he left. Mm -hmm. um, when I was a child, I remember going to watch the Cleveland Barons, and that's where I found my love for hockey. And nice. then once, once they left, the closest place to go was Pittsburgh from here. To go to a lot so, of games? Yes, I, I still do. Nice. I, lo I love the game. And there's nothing yeah. like seeing it live. No, no, it's it's an experience for sure. I try to go when I can. The, uh, the Flames haven't been giving us too many highlights lately, but that's that's fine. Still enjoy the game. I also wanted to ask you, what's the best way to get a physical copy of the album and any merchandise from the band? Uh, so the merch usually goes in Bandcamp. Um, we're trying to figure out again. Um, the merch will likely come when the tour comes. Uh, but so we're doing some shirts. We always do. Uh, for the physical CDs, that's a tough one. Um, because of the current landscape and the financials tied to making physical copies, we currently don't plan to make physical CDs of, of this album. Um, I think if there's a demand we might do a limited run, but um, I'll be honest, a lot of the interaction we get is through streaming. We're in Spotify right now. You know, Spotify is where we usually have the majority of people listen to our music, and that's just a reflection of the time. Um, mm. The one thing that we have considered is vinyl. So I think that's something we're going to look at going forward. And lastly, I wanted to ask you, if you could give a message to your fans, what would that message be? Uh, 
I mean, aside from listening to the music, um, I think we're really pushing hard to establish a dialogue with our fans. Um, and it's been working great, but we always love hearing people's responses to, to the, the tracks. Um, you know, they're heavy conceptually, they're heavy musically. Um, they usually tend to resonate pretty strongly one way or the other with people. So um, reach out, Instagram, email, Facebook, whatever you like. Tell us what you think. Um, we always love having, you know, we've had in-depth discussions with a lot of our fans. And we're always happy to dive into, like we did here, um, the writing process with the music, what we were thinking about, what the inspirations were, what's coming down the road. Um, and hell, we might even take your advice about some of the things that we want to do next. Um, I think it's really important, honestly. Like, the fans are the lifeblood of anything we put out. The music is, is it's fun for ourselves, but the, the response from other people is, is really what we're looking for. So, yeah, reach out. Let's talk. Well, I wanted to thank you, my friend, for taking time to speak with me. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Likewise. I really appreciate the time, uh, Bob. I think really good questions, and, and hopefully I've answered them in a way that your listeners and yourself uh, will be satisfied with. Absolutely. And uh, I wanted to also thank you for creating a great album. Like I say, uh, I, it's very immersive. And, you know, I, I spoke honestly. The Great Hunt is just a track that just has stuck with me and uh i listen to it pretty much every day now <laughs> well, so that's that's high praise i will say uh the music we may have another music video in the works and uh, the great hunt is one of the front runners for the, the track we might do it for that'd be great yeah. well i want to thank you again i hope you have a great rest of your day my friend unfortunately i i got head off to work <laughs> yeah yeah, that's a fact of life. Thanks, Bob. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, and you have a great day. You too. Cheers. Cheers. I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button, and you can be a member of the family. And remember, come see me for a fix.